Beverly Kidson, you're back. I'm back. You're Bad in the penny. new studio. Always comes back. I like the new studio. Very nice. Shout out to mm-hmm. Dr. Edgeworth for letting us operate the podcast here for a while. Absolutely. You're one of my favorite people on the planet. You know all that. People know all that. That's well established. Who's this lady? Well, this lady is uh, someone who has become very important in the library and in the community. Uh, as you know, we've been working on the strategic plan in the library, a strategic plan for the next three years. And one of the main goals was to uh, increase the amount uh, of English classes that, that we could give. Because we did a poll about three years ago <clears throat> of uh, everyone who used the library. And uh, everyone wanted more English classes. As you know, we do that, have that January program. Uh, that we've had for 26 years. Shout out to Middlebury. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Middlebury. Uh, and it's, that's still a tremendous success. Uh, but we need something during the year. It's just not enough. So uh, I uh, made an appointment with uh, Brock, who is the um, head of the Spanish Institute. And uh, he came over to the library. And we sat and talked. And I told him what I needed. He said, I've got the person for you. <laughs> I said, ooh, very good. What's her name? And... Uh, there she yeah, is. That's me. Okay. Lucky what a nice Ratliff. introduction. Wow. Well, now yeah. that you've been built up, let, let, let's hear what you have to say and see how we feel about you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, just kidding, obviously. <laughs> but please introduce yourself and tell us your journey to Nosara mm-hmm. and talk us through what, what's going on. Well, so I've been here for uh, just over a year, a year and a few months, and from Iowa, and was before this was a teacher, taught elementary for 10 years. I coached teachers, I was a mentor, I worked with the university, I trained teachers to become teachers and taught, um, taught English in, um, online with kids in China, I taught English in other countries and always was like the, the busybody, like always doing something or another. And then COVID happened and I had nothing to do and I was bored out of my mind and I thought, what am I going to do? Came to Costa Rica a few times and I thought, hmm, I really like it. I see a lot of people that come here and move here. Sounds fun. Where'd you go in Costa Rica and, first? And um, I went, you know, to the touristy places, La Fortuna, Monteverde, whatever. Came to Nosarda just to see the beach. I was taking Spanish classes online, and I thought, wow, this sounds like a great place. And I thought, well, COVID came, and I wasn't doing anything, and love my job in Iowa, and I just kind of jumped for it, and I took a leap of faith, and I thought, what if I just quit everything and try something new. And so I came here without knowing anything. Um, I had heard that Brock was looking for an English teacher and he said, why don't you come and teach English? We don't have a program, but um, you have a background with teaching English. You have a background with, with teaching in general. And I got certified so that I could come here and um, did what I needed to do so that I could work. And I started in and we started a program with Una and Una brought their um, university program to Nosarda and started like that. So, wow! What a good, yeah! It was fast. It wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. I think the first thing I got out of hearing that is I realized you don't sit still very often. No, no, no! I do not like to be bored at all. And she's a surfer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. All right. Yep. So the the story is starting to all make sense. Yes. No, I love the beach, and being in Iowa, it's cold. It's winter. Uh, six months out of the year, there's snow, and I was always vacationing 
uh, every time that I had a free opportunity, I was at the beach and I thought, why do I spend so much money at the beach? And so I thought, well, maybe I can live here. Maybe it's cheaper. Maybe it's cheaper to live here rather than to vacation in Costa Rica and vacation in the beaches. Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird what can happen if you just take a big enough leap Mm -hmm. of faith, like drive antiquated machine down through rivers or roads that don't exist and along the beach to get here? I'm... I'm lovingly teasing Beverly right now, but it was all in that leaf of faith. Her whole mm-hmm. thing, the library, mm-hmm. everything, her husband and her, what they did was a massive leap. That was like out of a plane with a parachute. <laughs> so I don't feel like I've done anything outside. I was just crazy enough to pull the trigger. It's people like her who laid the foundation. Mm-hmm. But then to hear your story coming from Iowa, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You were very well versed in traveling, you and your mm-hmm. husband. You guys have a very unique story. Most of us kind of came from Florida, California for a long time. Mm-hmm. The, and a little bit of Carolinas, a little bit of Virginia, a little bit of Canada, some Europe. And then in recent years, it's completely changed. Every day I'm meeting someone from some new spot that mm-hmm. I'm not used to. So Iowa coming in to help the mm-hmm. Biblio. Yeah. How cool that is that? Very cool. What do you need people to hear and how should they react? Well, I'd like, um, uh, I would like Renee to talk a little bit about the program, the uh the library program, um, it's, it's a, a two-fold program uh, with uh, specialized classes that she teaches uh, for a very small fee, and then um, a larger program uh, that is actually free and taught by volunteers. And I'd, I'd like her to talk about that. Yeah, All right. Please do. People are going to wonder. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was teaching classes in the Spanish school, we had a lot of group classes. We had private classes. And the students came in with their stories. They came in and they, I mean, sad stories on how they made it to Nosarda and how they're trying to, they're trying to survive. They're trying to support their families. They're trying to get a job. And they can't get a job without speaking English. And that's why most students came to me. Um, and then along their path, they love their English classes. They, I watched them grow, but in the end, they couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford unless their boss was there to support them. Many bosses would come and they would pay for their classes. Um, so I had a lot of businesses that their employer said, I want to give my employees English. But without their employer paying, they couldn't afford it. And so then I talked with Brock and I said, hey, I need a way to give the locals reduced prices in English classes. And so then he said, well, Beverly and I have talked, and this is a great opportunity. Beverly was willing to help find donations so that we could have lower-cost classes for the community. And this allowed for a different population for English classes. So now we have classes at night for adults to come in. We have people that are construction workers. We have house cleaners. We have painters and your everyday workers that are working 12 or 14-hour days that they're coming to English classes and they are so thrilled. We had a, we did a oral exam one night for two and a half hours, and we had 30 people that came in, and they sat with me, each person, five minutes, whatever, so that I could just talk with them. To be honest, part of it was in Spanish, only to hear their story, and they would tell me, this is the reason why I'm here. I'm here because I can't work. I can't work because I don't speak English. I'm here because I um, want to be able to communicate with my child. My child speaks English at the school, and I can't. And so those stories started to flow together, and we just set off with that. And I said, okay, we need more hands. We need volunteers. So we talked about, can we get volunteers from the community? There's a lot of people that live here that they want to help. 
And the only way to do that was to teach them how to teach English. So then we started this volunteer program, getting a kids program, um, and teaching the vol teaching volunteers how to teach English. So that's where that came from then too. So we have a lot of little projects that all stem together. But in the end, we're all here to do the same thing. We're all here to provide this um, skill to the community. And it's so nice to see that they're all, everybody loves it. They're all so thankful. Um, but the stories are really, they're, they're really heartening. So it makes you feel pretty good to do what you're doing, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. So your wacky leap of faith coming down the Nosara like all the rest of us, <laughs> it's paying off, you'd say? Yeah, it's definitely not what I thought I would be doing. <laughs> I think if you would have asked me a year ago what I was going to do, it, it was never this. So it works out, though. Yeah. Coming down with my two dogs, I thought, well, I'll go enjoy the beach and <laughs> nice. teach something and we'll find out. So well, that part's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So Beverly... Do you have like a set schedule that you want to announce here or is it still being created? We actually have a schedule that we're working on, that we're working with now. Uh, and it will finish in another two weeks, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And then we'll have a, a break of a week or two and then we'll start a new program. We're doing it in, in little blocks of time. Okay. Rather than a constant, constant that goes on forever. Uh, so the, the first, uh, the first group of classes was six weeks, and uh, they paid for six weeks, and it was a thousand colonies a class, mm -hmm. which is incredibly mm -hmm. inexpensive, uh, and um, that that was very reasonable and went very well. We're coming up on the finishing of that. Then we'll take a week or two off, and uh, people have to take a test at the end of their six weeks, and the test will tell whether they go on to the next section or repeat the first section yes. over again. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> Renee has uh, organized a very complete uh, methodology uh, and actual classroom classes uh, that these uh, volunteers just come in and they take out of the file uh, the class for today. And, uh, and they have a test to give at the end to make sure that the students have moved up to that level, and if they haven't, they teach it over again. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, uh, we are going to be opening a new group of classes uh, in another uh, three weeks. All right. So, so through the the lower times, there will be classes happening mm -hmm. through September, October, end of November. Yes. yes. And if I heard you right, it's going in blocks. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you had referenced six weeks. Is, is that how it's going to continue or is it going to adjust from there? We have, um, right now our adult program was the six-week program. So the students came twice a week. Um, I was at the library on Monday through Thursday teaching different classes at night. We had a level one, which is your beginner, 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 people that didn't speak any English coming in. Now they can come through and they will take the test next week to see, am I ready for the next one? And some students have said, I really love this, but I'm not ready yet. I want to continue and practice. So they'll stay in this one. Then That's, we have... It's kind of cool on that point. Uh, I, I want to interrupt for just a moment. Mm -hmm. When you mentioned that too, Beverly, when you said that people could go back, that was a good feeling because mm -hmm. a lot of people who are busy, they want to improve their lives, but mm -hmm. maybe they weren't able to focus or maybe it takes some time. It is a new language. Mm -hmm. It is uncomfortable. You're mm -hmm. in front of other people. Mm -hmm. that you have a, a, a nice soft landing to come back. It's okay mm -hmm. to circle back. It's mm -hmm. still affordable. You're welcome exactly. to do that. 
I think that's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really good idea because mm-hmm. it's super, super discouraging. Mm-hmm. I, I'm learning Spanish. Yeah. It's super embarrassing sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool that you have a nice platform. I just wanted to pause mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. point that out. That's really cool. Thank well, you. and here the, our clientele that are taking classes for many people, it's their first time to learn in the last 20 years, 20 or 30 years. And living in a rural area for most of these people, they don't know how to write in a notebook. They, the skills that I'm teaching the first day of classes is how to get organized and how to, how to hold a notebook and how to write words. And it is, has nothing to do with learning English. They're just basic skills. And we practice and we talk about where do you, how do you hold your notebook? Do you turn it this way? Do you turn it this way? Do you write at the top? And I've seen everything from students that came in and they wrote all the way around the perimeter of the notebook to all the way down the middle from one or two words in each part. And that's what happens in every class. Um, so right away, we spend the first couple of classes just learning how to study, learning how to take notes, learning how to write, learning how to copy things, and learning that my English classes are not like the English classes that people are having in their in their education in Costa Rica. I, I can't tell you how many times that students have come and said, uh, you're not a Costa Rican teacher. And I say, <laughs> yes, of course I'm not. But my expectation right away is that this is a conversation. It's not a you write notes and you see how fast you can study. It's not a vocabulary test. And the students are expected to talk. And that right alone is, it's terrifying for them. They're like, I have to talk to you? And for some people, it's, it's a lot. And so it takes one or two classes to get them out of their shell and for them to realize this is not about me lecturing to you. It's not at all, which is the why that we have, the reason why we have such good success. Students are, it's a hundred percent conversation. I talk for three, four minutes and I teach a little lesson and then we practice together and then after. They are practicing with each other in a partner. We're doing an activity in a circle, throwing a ball across. You ask them a question, throw the ball to the next person, ask someone else a question, doing activities, doing races, whatever it is. But it's 100% interactive. A lot of people are going to be happy to hear this. It's mm-hmm. not, not just me. Like This is, this is going to be received well, I think. Mm-hmm. The flip side of it, though, is th- there is a tax for being here in a way. And I'm wondering if you've encountered any of the challenges yet. Are you still in the honeymoon phase of this is working? I can't believe it. I'm at the beach. This is amazing. So are you still like on the honeymoon phase or are you starting to be like, roads are pretty bumpy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I bought myself a Navi so that I could get past paying for all of my car repairs every month. So that helps. (laughs) But I go to the beach every morning and I have my me time at the beach and I go and I walk for two hours. I take my dogs out to the run to run. And it's my daily routine, and I love it. But I love being able to see my students out in the community. They, we go out for coffee. We see each other out and about. And so I feel like I'm a part of the community. When I go shopping at Green Day Mass, people are like, hi, teacher, hi, teacher, whatever. It's great. <laughs> that's um, going to help you stay. Yeah, that, like, that's exactly. That's a form of payment, uh-huh. maybe not money, mm-hmm. but in existence. Yeah. Like, that's, that's beautiful. Uh-huh. But the connections that I've had so far is, is what will keep me here. Um, people know who I am. I, people know what I do. 
And people are always asking, hey, when's the next thing? Can you help me with what does this phrase mean at my job? Whatever. So I feel a part of the community and I still get my beach time. So it's perfect. All right. Yeah. Keep going the exactly. Beach. Exactly. Don't stop. I, I love to do, uh, to go surfing. And so we go out a couple of times a week in the mornings at 530 in the morning and do my exercises, whatever. I stay plenty busy, but my, the reason I'm here is to enjoy the, enjoy the climate and a little more relaxed life. But I absolutely love what I do. So Beautiful. I wouldn't change it. Well, I think a lot of people have gotten to know you pretty well. Thanks uh-huh. for the app description. Um, just a little bit more insight to you so far. What's your three favorite restaurants in the area? Um, I love having a new perspective from someone <laughs> just coming in. I love pepperonis. Mm, it's delicious. Um, pepperonis and Basilico. And what else? I don't know. I think pancakes are the best. <laughs> hey, why don't you like yeah. pancakes? I wish you could explain that to us. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big pancake fan. Ouch. Is it bread or just pancakes? Or waffles? Oh, no, okay? I love bread. We, I think we have too much bread sometimes. Yeah, from the panaderia. I think we're going to the panaderia four or five times a week just for it. So that's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, we found your weakness in the first part. <laughs> I always think everyone who comes here, there's something crazy about yeah. us. So there's something on Me is my pancakes. Yeah. yeah. We found yours fast. Yep, yep. No, I just love some good gallo pinto and eggs and very simple. That's nice. okay. Yeah. Well, um, I'll, I'll, go ahead. Can I interrupt? Sure. I love Kayapinto and eggs too, so I want to know who, who has the best. Oh, yeah. Ah, so okay. Etienne's asking over here. Uh-huh. He eats some weird, what is that, the Hagoslaw. What's the thing you eat every morning? <laughs> he makes like some sort of porridge and faithfully eats that to save money and, and save up for his life and, and, and do things. <laughs> but he does love Kayapinto, so for him, that's a, uh-huh. that's, a, that's a treat. Uh, yeah. He's asking, who is your mm-hmm. favorite uh, who Vanessa. makes the best pinto or is it all the same? Uh-huh. Soda Vanessa. We usually go on the weekends and they have some delicious, crunchy gallo pinto. Depends on if you like it soft or you like it crunchy, I guess. So Makes sense. All mm-hmm. right, back to our subject at hand. Which, I just have to throw in. Please do. Uh, Rosie's. Ah. Love Rosie's. And, uh, we that always... comes up a lot on, uh-huh. the, on the three favorite restaurants. Yes. Uh-huh. It's a staple. Yes. Uh-huh. Rosie's for Gallo Pinto in the morning. Hey, do you like Rosie's a Palata or Guillaume's one or Guillaume's two better? There's three Rosie's now. Well, whatever's closest to the tennis court. And now the new one is the closest one to the tennis court. Yes, it and is. So that's where we go. Tennis court looks good, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk. Let's get serious. Let's stop joking around. What do you want people to know about this fantastic program from here? Like, what's the, the very short version that we could even run a 30 second clip? Like, yeah, I, I, uh, I hope that uh, people that are watch that watch the podcast will um, offer to uh, the people that work for them the opportunity to come and take this course and or encourage them to uh, and if they can take the course uh, that costs a thousand colonies a class then they maybe might offer to cover the cost uh, because it is it is minimal but uh, to someone who earns a very small salary, it's big. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, some gringos will be interested in, uh, in helping uh, people that work for them. Uh, also, uh, I uh, hope that people will um, continue to support the library, or if they aren't patrons of the library now, will come forward to help us to continue this program. 
since it's a fresh episode, some people might not know. Let's go ahead and give a quick explanation of what it takes to be a patron. Uh, to be a patron, this, uh, this year it is $300 a year. Uh, to be a patron. And that makes a big Minimum. difference. That $300 yes. really does make a difference. Well, if you have, uh, you know, several hundred people, <laughs> um, it makes a big difference. Uh, well, when we're at our meetings, you always know what I say. It's like, go ahead and tell them it's okay to do 500 or 700 yes, or 1,000 or 5,000. No, too. you're absolutely right. 300 is the minimum for a patron donation. Um, but we really appreciate uh larger donations and that makes it possible for us to hire Renee and uh, she is a qualified professional and uh, that costs money and uh, we need the donations to help us cover that and to continue improving our programs and the services that we offer to the community. Hey well as we wind down also, a big shout out to the people who are on the board and are helping. The Biblioteca truly has the best organized group of volunteers and inside that I've seen in the community, hands down. And I've been through them all. They're <laughs> not all, most of them all. Mm -hmm. And that's not a put down of anyone. It's a lift up of what you have going at the Biblioteca as far as thinking for the future, planning things out. No one's as organized. And the minimal amount of money that you guys were able to collect to make that big of a difference in this community is, is unparalleled. Mm -hmm. Again, I love trees, I love animals, I love all these things, mm -hmm. but I also love people. And I think what's missing in this town is helping the people from here. And as mm -hmm. this is turning into a high-end, not just a tourism, from agriculture to tourism, it's turning into a high-end destination. The skills to get the jobs, to get the payment, to give people the opportunity mm -hmm. just to survive here, mm -hmm. I feel is more crucial than ever before. Yes, I agree with that completely. Yeah. So thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, and please become a patron, and be nice to her, and give her some waves. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts that you want to share while we have the platform? I think we're looking for more volunteers, always. More Who volunteers. Who can be a volunteer? That, Talk about that. Uh-huh. They just need to be at least 18 years of age and have their own transportation to the library and have some flexibility. The kids go to school during the daytime, so sometimes our... Schedules are a little bit crazy. Some kids, depending on which school they go to in Nosarda, they're going to the school either in the morning and then the next week they switch to the afternoon. So we have volunteers that one week they volunteer at 11. The next week they volunteer at 1 because every schedule is different. Hey, Sometimes, can you speak before you go any further? Because this is somebody's listening to this right uh -huh. now, I promise you. And they're like, oh, I'm not good enough to do that. <laughs> that sounds nice. I want to give back. Uh -huh. I don't think I'm qualified for that. Uh -huh. Can you talk to that person real quick? Uh-huh. In the past, we've always we've had we've had volunteer programs for a long time, but this is the first time that we've had really organized mm -hmm. methodology mm -hmm. for the volunteers uh -huh. to teach. So Renee it's not that hard organized. to volunteer based yeah. on Absolutely what you're creating, not, mm -hmm. because she's got the program ready. You just pull out the piece of paper, yeah. When and I, that's what you teach. Go for it. When I came here and started and found out what program they had, they had a couple of volunteers. The library did, and the volunteers were spending hours and hours and hours every week trying to figure out what am I going to teach? No background. Some of them had backgrounds, but not very much. Um, and I thought, this is crazy. <laughs> These poor volunteers. Mm -hmm. And so then part of my job right away, I spent a couple of weeks and I designed a program. So I went through with my background of teaching kids, 
and I designed a program. I found some lessons online that worked well, and I got everything printed. We sent some books so that every lesson has um, has a reader for the kids to learn how to read with it too. The kids have a writing portion, a reading portion, a listening portion, and um, a speaking opportunity. And the this lessons. is mapped out, created. Yep. A volunteer uh-huh. can adhere to this. Exactly. They don't have to have, be a teacher yep. or have a college degree. Exactly. They just need to have uh-huh. a good heart and be able to read. Exactly. <laughs> and, and talk a little. Exactly. And have some patience. That's all. And um, flexibility and exactly. transportation. Exactly. <laughs> Minor details. Because of the roads, yes. the transportation is the hard uh-huh. part. <laughs> and so now the volunteers come in and we have a set of 24 lessons for each of our kids' groups. And they pick their lesson up. Uh, they have a little app on their phones. And so they preview their lesson at home a couple of minutes. And they come, make the copies that they need to, read the lesson, and they go for it. Um, it requires no planning for them. That's the idea. And after their lesson is complete, after a couple of times of trying it through, once their kids know what they were supposed to know, I create an assessment. So each lesson has an assessment. That way that no matter how many volunteers we have, every kid is learning the same thing. And that way when kids switch, we have volunteers that are coming in high season or only in low season. Then our kids are getting what they need. Sounds like you've created consistency Uh and uniformity and the whole... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the conformity that, that, that I'm hearing is it's really impressive. Beverly, this has to be a great feeling for you to sit here. It is wonderful. Mm-hmm. It wow. is wonderful. This is just what we wanted. And I believe it's just what the community needs. I guess as we wind down, anybody listening who wants to help donate towards tuk-tuk rides for the teachers to get to there because <laughs> maybe the teachers don't have a car, feel free to send in a couple bucks. <laughs> yeah. Supplies. Basically, anybody wants to send in money, please do so. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's lots of opportunities. We have... But it's also not about money. It, exactly. Like you said, you also uh-huh. could just give back, mm-hmm. which is just as important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our volunteers just need to be able to volunteer for at least six weeks. That's it. They need to be able to give their time for six weeks. And then after, they can decide, do I want to keep continuing? Do I not? And that's totally fine. Um, but our volunteers that we've had so far are going to continue. They've loved making connections. And for our locals, it's just as important. These locals are making connections with these volunteers, and they see them out in the community, and they're like, hi, teacher, how are you? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. (laughs) Some of our kids, that's all they know what to say. And it's so important for the locals to make connections with our foreigners that are living here and to make that uh, connection between the two communities. And so that's a big part right. of what we're doing. You're right. I mentioned earlier the people coming in are the solution because mm-hmm. we don't have government funding. We're not going to just hit oil and all of a sudden all of our <laughs> – the only thing we could do to probably get money from the government is sell all of our nature reserves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm not also being serious. Mm-hmm. We are the solution. The Bomberos are funded privately. The bibliotech is run by volunteers. This is – this is exciting if you can get somebody passing through, interacting with locals mm-hmm. more. It can have a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your, your programs already do, but imagine like if, you're, if your net gets wider. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine if somebody who's just on vacation now could speak inside the community because they want to. Mm-hmm. They do. Often. A, lot of, a lot of the locals might think, oh, the Gringos, oh, the Gringos are over here. I'm over here. And that's what we're trying to eradicate. We're all humans. We all live in the same spot. Mm-hmm. The thing that we need is the local to be able to interact with them. That's how they're going to give money. If somebody feels they know a local, they will help them. 
I've seen it, I can't tell you how many times. They want to give back, but they're also very scared to approach them. They also don't know what to talk about. It's very hard to find out what's going on in someone's lives who Mm -hmm. might really need help or could use a hand. I've been watching that for years and having worked in the vacation rental business and then real estate and all that stuff. It's, I think the best surprise that we have going for us is how much people actually want to give back. Mm -hmm. We just have communication Mm -hmm. missing. And actually, that's what's missing on everything for our, our town. If you think about it, it's communication, even amongst competing organizations trying to raise money all the way down to competition of just standard business. If we all start communicating better as a community, that's what all those social scientists who came through last year or the year before, they all said that. They're like, you guys agree on 90 plus percent of, of all your stuff. Even you, the two of you who hate each other, mm-hmm. you actually agree. You're just getting blockaded by other stuff. And what you're doing, I think, is a real beautiful weapon to eradicate those walls that are up all over the place. So Mm -hmm. thank you both very, very much. Thank you. I'm excited. Congratulations and thank Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's a pleasure meeting you. Thanks for having us.